It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This is God's word. Thank you, uh, Doreen, for reading uh, that passage of scripture for us. Let me uh, pray and we look at God's word. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask that you'll help us to uh, understand this word and, and also apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I do want to encourage you to please keep your Bibles open to Galatians uh, chapter 5 because we are studying God's word together. We all love freedom, don't we? We love freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of choice, freedom to exercise our democratic rights, freedom to, to meet like this in worship, freedom to live in our homes securely. We love freedom. Freedom is a fundamental pillar of any society. Uh, we, we enjoy freedom, don't we? Young people love freedom, right? The freedom to be able to explore things in their lives, freedom to navigate their pathway in life. Not just young people, all of us enjoy that kind of freedom. I was listening to uh, Matt Munro. Anyone know, heard of Matt Munro? Or am I in a different age because I'm a grandfather now? Hey, come on. Don't want to Matt Monroe. Okay. Hmm. Born Free. You know the song Born Free? Oh, yes. That you would know, right? Born Free. As free as the wind blows. I, I was listening to a Matt Monroe, quite a few songs actually this past week. As free as the grass grows. Born free to follow your heart. Live free. And beauty surrounds you. The world still astounds you each time you look at a star, stay free. Where no walls divide you. Lots of songs written on freedom, born free. 
But really, can we live any way we want? Is that the real freedom that we can have in life? That's a question for us this morning, isn't it? You see, friends, the book of Galatians, uh, which we have been studying um, so far, as this division, a broader division of the book, chapters 1 to 2 is a biography. With chapters 3 and 4, we have a solid theological base, uh, a basis that deals with uh, the issues of justification, our faith and by grace and all of those things. I'm actually reading a very interesting book. Uh, Lindsay mentioned something, Martin Luther. I'm reading a fascinating book, The Legacy of Martin Luther. I was reading it this week. can't put it down, actually. Quite an encouraging book. Excellent authors. Uh, maybe we might get that to the library, but anyway. Uh, it's a good read. So we have wonderful themes. We have the ethics as well of uh, chapters 5 and six and so we, we chapters four actually right through to six so today we move to galatians chapter five and specifically to galatians 5 1 to 15 which is our text this morning and so in our passage we come to one of the central themes if not the central theme of the book of galatians and that is freedom in christ freedom in christ i was talking to someone in our congregation actually this past week and we we're discussing the chapters of galatians and especially chapters 3 and chapter 4. You, 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 you endured that, didn't you, last time with Sarah and Hagar and everything, all the theological issues there. And I said to this person, well, brother, I feel free at last. I don't have to get into all the exegetical nightmare in all of those passages. And now we're freedom. Right? That's what we see in this passage. Right? When, we, when I commenced this, uh, this series, I titled it Real Freedom. That's the series. Real freedom. And Paul comes back to this theme of freedom in Christ here in Galatians chapter 5. And so I've just made a broad division. doesn't mean you have to follow that, but just stand firm. We have the warning that's given. Keep focused and don't abuse freedom. So Paul, look at verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This verse is, in a sense, a summary, as some commentators would say, of the entire book of Galatians. Dr. Montgomery Boyce, a well-known scholar, he says this, at once a summary of all has gone before and a transition to what follows. So it's a summary, he says, of the, the book. And so we have this word freedom, uh, means liberty. It, uh, we have freedom that is in Christ. And the question for us this morning is, what does Paul mean by freedom? What are we free from? What are we free from? What is this freedom? Let me mention at least three of them from uh, these chapters one to three, four that we've seen so far. We are free from the burden of the old covenant. That is, we are not under the burden anymore of all the ceremonial requirements of the Old Testament. Secondly, we are free from the curse of the law. We live now by faith in Christ who kept the law perfectly for us. We are also free from working for our salvation by trying to earn our way to God. In that sense, we are free from the tyranny and the bondage of sin and its guilt and its misery. Notice the words that we are free in Christ. That is important. It is, I am free in Christ. We read these words of Jesus who said this. Jesus answered them in John chapter 8, 34 to 36. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What a reminder, isn't it, for us? How could Jesus set us free? Because of who he is. He was the son of God who has been sent into the world by the Father according to his plan and purposes. And how has he set us free? He's done it this way. John 8, 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. You see, friends, this passage, what Jesus is saying is that he will be lifted up. He would be lifted up on a cross. Yeah? And he will be exposed to public shame. He'll be hung on a cross between heaven and earth, taking upon himself the judgment of God against our sins. And all those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is what Christ has come to do for you and for me. Yes? That is the gospel, friends. And it is he alone who is able to set us free because he has dealt with the sin that enslaves us because we can never atone for our own sin. We can never break sin's power. You know, the first time this hit me was, I was a young guy, I'm not saying I'm exceptionally old, no, but when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, right, I... I've told you this many times, I've never been in a kid's church, never been to a youth group, nothing, nothing, nothing of that. And I just heard this gospel, and it kind of hit me to know that Christ has given, set me free from the power of sin because I struggle with issues in my own life as a young person. And to have that relief was a wonderful blessing. To know for the first time. You see we can never come to God and say. God surely what I have done. Is enough to compensate. For my sins. Nothing we can do. Ever do will compensate. But God sent his own son. On the cross. His own son who stood in our place. For you and for me. He lived a perfect life. And since Jesus had no sins. Of his own to atone for. He was qualified to make a sacrifice for our sins. So friends this morning. In Jesus we have been freed. And therefore we must live as free people. Not taking up the yoke of the law. As a means to secure our relationship with God. Not our own righteousness. For if we do so. Then we will be re-enslaved to sin. What a wonderful and amazing news a liberating news that is the yoke of slavery to the yoke of the burden of the law that it will never save you. I remember in Sri Lanka, I don't know which you, some of you may have visited and come from Asian countries, you know. Uh, my, my grandparents, they, they owned a, a, a restaurant, a, quite a very nice restaurant in the heart of Colombo. And in their house, they had a big room, perhaps the size of my kind of office room in the back. And it was the storehouse. And I was a young guy, I was always there because I loved all the food and everything was given for me. 
was, life was good, it was luxury. But people used to come to that place to, I still remember this. We had a big, they used to bring rice. When I go to the Sri Lankan shops now, I buy 10 kilograms of rice, basmati rice. You know basmati rice? Okay. But in Sri Lanka, they used to bring bags, these Asian bags of rice, almost that size. And I still remember as of like, just like yesterday, the guy used to carry the whole weight of this rice on his back. And you can imagine, brings it and just dumps it in the storeroom. I'm sure those guys, there are no chiropractors in Sri Lanka, no physios and all of that that you could run to, but I don't know how they manage with their back. Why am I saying this? You see, it's like that, isn't it? Sin and the burden of guilt can be like a heavy load. You know what I mean? And it can cripple you spiritually as you keep carrying this burden, this burden. And when you come to Christ and you give that to him, you know that he has paid the price for your sin and the burden has been taken away. And I used to sing a song in Sri Lanka. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. You know that one? No. No one, none of you know any of my songs, friends. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, okay. That, that's how we went. Right. Uh, there are some songs that I learned, and I remember those words. Right? That's lifted. That's the freedom that we have. What a wonderful blessing that is. So Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm is a military term with the idea of keeping alert, being vigilant, so you won't become enslaved. Now, some of you might know this song. You have to. Shackles by Mary Mary. Yeah? Woof. Right. Okay, well, you know, it, it's, it's got to take the shackles off my feet. It's a Christian song. So, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. You know that one? I just want to praise you, Lord. I just want to praise you. Okay. You broke the chains. Now I can lift my hands and I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to praise you. The shackles, the chains, the chains have been lifted out. And so stand firm on this freedom. What a blessing that is. What a relief. What a joy to have the freedom of Christ in our lives. That he has freed us from our sin and our guilt once and for all. And the shackles has been taken away. How wonderful is that? Has that happened to you? Has that happened in your life, friends, this morning? And so Paul says then, so we have to stand firm and to rejoice in this freedom. And then we also see uh, the, the, the warning that we have here as well, isn't it? Through uh, 2 to 6. Have a look in your Bibles. Paul says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man. Let's have a look at that section. So the issue here was, that is 2 to 6, okay? The issue is circumcision. Let me say this again. What the false teachers, the Judaizers, were telling the Gentile Christians was that unless they were circumcised, and keep the law that they could not be really saved. They are almost second grade Christians. If you want to be a Christian, that's fine. But come on, you got to do these things. You got to do Christ plus works. Right? And so if the, it's, it's, it is Jesus plus rules and regulations, good works and religious obedience. 
And that can be easily, we can fall into that groove, can't we? I was speaking to someone, not from this congregation, so don't worry, just this past week. I said, how's your week been? It's been good, etc., etc." Uh, and I said, hasn't God been so kind to you? Oh, yes, God has been kind to me because I have done a lot of good things for people. <laughs> I have looked after so and so, and I've provided money for this one and that one, and that's why God has been good to me. Oh, what do I say? What's happened? So it's Christ plus rules. And if, if the Galatian Christians seek to do this, then notice what Paul says to them in verses 2 to 4. He says, Christ will be of no value to you, verse 2. Verse 3, you are severed from Christ. Verse 4, you have fallen away from grace. You see, Paul says here, Christ will be of no value to you. That is, you devalue Christ if you add circumcision or anything as a requirement to be made right with God. Now look at verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that is obligated to keep the whole law. Notice the words, to keep the whole law. Have you kept the Ten Commandments perfectly? Uh, Yes? No. (laughs) Right? We cannot keep it. Ever try to do it? You cannot. We cannot be justified by keeping the law. Only Jesus has kept it. And Paul says, so you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. You, you are cut up, severed from Christ. Boy, you see, Paul is saying to these Galatians that if they seek to follow the teachings of the false teachers, then they are cut off from Christ. And this brings us to the next question, issue. Can a Christian fall away from grace? In our Reformation debate, we had mighty discussions about this, right? Remain the Armenians, but we can fall away from grace. Is that what Paul is saying here? The answer is clear no. If you are, as a Christian, has come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're justified, God will preserve your life. Romans chapter 8. You can never lose your salvation. Yes? Can you? You can't lose your salvation. Man, I'll be in and out of salvation every minute. <laughs> right? One moment I'm in, next moment I'm out, next moment I'm in because I sin, now I'm, where would I stand with God? You can't lose that salvation. When you're justified, this is what we call the assurance of salvation. You know, one of the hymns we sing here, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You cannot lose your salvation. Right? Jesus said this very clearly in, in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Remember that, friends. When you're going through a dip, when you're going through a bad patch, when you're going through life when it's really tough, and there are some days and some weeks that hits you like a thunderbolt, yes? Right? And when you're going through and you're questioning even God's grace and kindness to you, and you're trying to survive, And you're wondering, where is God in this, in my life? We heard those questions, where are you God? Why is this happening to me? What's going on? Haven't you asked those questions? You remember this, that when you're his, no one will snatch, is able to snatch you out 
of his hands. You are his forever. No matter what happens in this life. Life will have all its complexities, its ups and downs, like a yo-yo, up and down. But stay firm in this amazing truth. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So it is absolutely clear, friends, that no one can snatch a believer out of God's hand. Let me also refer to the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is, by the way, you're a Presbyterian, it's a subordinate standard of the Presbyterian Church of Australia. All right? The Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, 17. It says this. They whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. A concise precise statement that you cannot lose your salvation. Alright? Very clear. Okay? So no one can be lost. The point here is that Christians cannot lose their salvation and Tim Keller puts it this way. His point is that true Christians are saved by grace and so they are Christians by continuing to trust in grace. Equally those who fall from grace never really trusted in it. Never really trusted in it. What are you trusting this morning? Works or Christ? Circumcision and regulations or Jesus? Like Martin Luther who struggled with the issue of justification by faith. You read the book, friends. Read, read some of the stuff of Luther as well and see his theology and understanding of this massive struggle. So if anyone is trusting in themselves or their merits or think that they can be right with God by keeping the law and doing certain things, then Jesus can no longer do them any good and they have fallen in that sense from grace. So if we are not saved by our own works, then how are we saved? Look at verses 5 and 6. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith through working through love. It is by the Spirit and by faith, we are trusting Jesus and we are waiting for the hope of, un of righteousness. Now, I don't have the time to unpack all of that this morning. But this is, I believe, the hope of righteousness, I believe, is a reference to the day of judgment when God will declare all those who have trusted in faith through the Spirit, Jesus Christ as their Savior, as they wait in hope for the hope of righteousness, God will declare you and me on that day not guilty. How's that? Stamped, not guilty. That's the hope. Of righteousness. Look at verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So, love then is the expression of that faith. And so, Paul goes on to ask them a question then. Look at verse 7, 7 to 12, this section. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. You're running well, Galatians. You're running the race well. It's, it's, a, it's an athletic metaphor here. The Christians in Galatia, the Galatian Christians were running well. They were on the racetrack, running the Christian race, enjoying their freedom in Christ. But now 
something has happened. The false teachers have come and they are distracted. The race has been interrupted. John Stott makes the point, our creed is expressed in our conduct and our conduct is derived from our creed. And what these people were doing, they have lost the focus. What happened? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It only takes a little yeast to make an entire cake or bread rice. I've told you my experience with my bread machine. I've tried it again and it's worked out all right. Okay? I actually baked a bread a couple of weeks ago. But my son has taken over my work now and he makes better bread than me. The point is, when I made this last time, I had to get this little teaspoon kind of thing and put the yeast in it and see that the yeast is just about right. A little less, a little more, we're in trouble, right? Believe me, it doesn't work that, it's not that easy. <laughs> so a little yeast, and then in the morning you get up and the bread has risen, right? It leavens the whole bread. And so Paul is saying here, you know, a little thing of that can cause chaos. That's it, so beware. Verse 10, I have confidence in the Lord that you will know, that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever it is. We don't know who or what or whether it was a body of people. Paul is saying that there will be a penalty. Verse 11, but if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul now turns the attention to himself. The false teachers were saying and perhaps spreading the rumor that Paul himself preached circumcision. And Paul denies this and he makes the point in verse 11. Right. The false teachers were preaching circumcision, but Paul preached the cross. And we see that the cross is an offense to many people. It is even an offense in our own country. This last week, did you read the article in the Australian newspaper? I have the article in front of me here. It says, Jesus unwelcome in schoolyard crackdown. Anyone read that? This is in Queensland. Listen to this, please. Talking about Jesus, exchanging Christmas cards, and encouraging Christianity have been targeted under an unofficial policy from education bureaucrats that takes aim at junior evangelists in Queensland primary schoolyards. Right? So the, the point here is that kids are not allowed. The article is here. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Kids are not allowed in the schoolyard. This is in the schoolyard. To talk about Jesus. How's that? This is last week. And uh, I was watching a program the other day, actually this past week, and uh, one of the presenters, presenters at the program said, a catching phrase, you can't take Jesus out of the school because he is already in the school. <laughs> Where can you eliminate Christ? It's everywhere by, by nature of who he is. <laughs> You see the point. So, there will be an offense. Notice the contrast. I'm going to work this thing very quickly. One is works, circumcision. The other is grace. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you will emasculate themselves. This, friends, some have found this comment from the Apostle Paul very rude and vulgar. Very rude. Now, Paul is saying that if they regard circumcision as necessary to be accepted by God, then why stop there? Emasculate yourself. Why not go all the way? Terrible, isn't it? Right? Paul is saying that when you go to circumcise, which is the foreskin, as we know, of the male organ, 
right? When you go to circumcise them, he wished that the knife would slip and end up cutting everything. I'm in a terrible place to be in, right? Might as well emasculate yourself. Oh. What? Oh. Might as well go the whole way so as to be accepted by God. Why stop with circumcision, Paul is saying? Right? Go the whole way. It's not going to get you freedom anyway. And then, 13 to 15, don't abuse freedom. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only use your freedom um, as an opportunity. Do not, sorry, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Look, look at that. Here's the thing, isn't it, friends? Here's the thing. For you were called to freedom, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You see, because I'm under grace, I can't lose my salvation. Does it mean that I can do anything I want and sin, continue sinning? Do you think so? Hmm? While this is all true, we know that to enjoy freedom, we also need to obey rules. Freedom. For example, I have a driver's license, and I'm free to drive on our roads, right? Like most of, you, most of us do. And whilst I enjoy this freedom to take my car and drive anywhere I want, do you think I can do anything I want on the roads? Can you? On a 60 zone, can you work 120? I'm free. You see what I'm saying? To really enjoy freedom, there are also boundaries. Otherwise, your freedom is quickly lost. And so, for us who are in Christ, we enjoy the freedom, but we are not to abuse it. Our spiritual freedom in Christ can be abused. So to be free in Christ doesn't mean that I'm free to give expression to my sinfulness and its passions. For example, uh, I can say I'm free. Does it mean that I can do anything I want? I'm a free man. Does it mean that I can live any old lifestyle I want and not honor in my marriage? Does that mean that? You see what I'm saying? Freedom can be abused. And we need to be careful of that. I know that there are some here who enjoy James Bond movies, right? Through the years, we have known several uh, different actors. Roger Moore, Pierce Brosman, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, 007. In all the movies, the character James says this. If you watch the movie, Bond, James Bond. Doesn't sound like that, right? <laughs> Always fascinating. Bond, James Bond. Point is this, right? Right? Uh, the, the point is this. If you've seen the movies, you know that 007 is licensed to kill. That, that's his role. Right? That is, the law against murder does not apply to him. And sadly, friends, some Christians have slid across the road from legalism into what we would call the ditch of license. And their attitude is that because we are under grace, now we have a license to sin. Christian freedom is not freedom to indulge the flesh. It's not freedom to injure others. Christian freedom is not freedom from sin, as John Stott says it. It is not a freedom to sin. Right. So we don't have a license to live any way we want. Instead, we walk in the spirit and look at what we have here. Gospel freedom is given to us very clearly. And so, as we move on, friends, look at verse 14 and 15. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then, that's, that's coming from, in fact, uh, Matthew. 
you shall love the Lord your God with I'm not going to read that you can see that Matthew 22 Jesus said these words right in other words if we concentrate on loving others as we love ourselves then we find ourselves doing all that God has commanded and look at verse 15 so practical we'll bind this up soon if you but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another bite the, the Greek word here is to, to, to wound, to cut, to lacerate, to rend. To devour means to consume by eating and destroying. I'll give you this illustration. The other day, I went to the shops and I bought a, a, a hawk to make soup. In Ashburton, actually, I don't know that shop quite well. And someone in this congregation was very kind enough to show me where the things were to go and get it very quickly. At lunchtime, I disappeared. I said, Rose, let's make a nice hock soup for this week. Anyway, I brought it home. I, I was given the, the task of deboning this thing, and I did that. And my dog's walking past me. He's thinking this is Christmas for him, right? And he's, he's quite happy, like he's thinking, boy. Anyway, I gave the bone to him, the big bone, the next day. That guy is sitting outside on my veranda, and when I walk past, he's not grateful to me. He's like, oh, 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 oh. He's thinking that I'm going to come and get his bone. And I wouldn't dare touch that bone. <laughs> you see, a dog and a bone, you bite, bite, bite. The, the, you see, that's what we have here, isn't it? Some, some bites, friends, our words, our words, my words included, can have catastrophic consequences. Does it not? With few words, we can destroy years of relationships. Yes? We can just bite people. If The other day, I went and got a mouth guard for our son. He's playing basketball. As Tim knows that. We play on the place every Monday, <laughs> a basketball thing. I said, let's go and get some mouth guards. Mouth guard. I was thinking about that. What about the spiritual mouth guard for my mouth? How do I speak? Do I put a guard on my mouth? Do I bite and devour? Watch out. Don't consume each other. You see, our mouths can be very destructive. In fact, when we verbally attack each other, we only devour each other. And so, friends, to be free in Christ is to show love. To be able to love one another. Through the, 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 there is no way in my or in my own human strength that I would ever subject myself to one another in love unless I knew first that God has loved me and accepted me. And only when that happens, by God's grace, I'm able to love the other person. You see that? And not bite, and bite, and bite, and devour. May God's love transform my life. That's been the prayer for me this past week. You know that the love of Christ will transform my life to be more and more like him because he has loved a sinner like me and I'm able to stand before you today. How is that possible? I just don't know. I don't know. And that's his love. So, as we conclude, therefore now we know that we are set free. We cannot earn our salvation. God has set us free from the law. Let us submit ourselves to one another in love and not devour each other. Friends, our chains have fallen off and that's amazing grace. Amen. Lord, we thank you that in Christ we are free.
Thank you for loving us. I pray that, that the freedom to love, just as you have loved us, will be experienced in our lives and in our relationships here at church, in the church family, and in our homes, that Christ will be more and more at work in our lives. Help us to rejoice and celebrate the freedom we have, that amazing grace that our chains have fallen off. In Jesus' name, amen.